What's poppin' everybody, how y'all doing? Welcome back to the Swamp Life. You are truly one and only Big Gator, Gator Love, Gold Chain Gator, Turtleneck Gator, Spiffy Gator, aka Mr. Where's My Lighter. And uh, I think it's been about four months since I've done a lot of, uh, an episode. Um, and just a quick thing before I get into the shits, man. I want to say thank you to everybody who, uh, who tunes in. Everybody who's tuned into an episode, everybody who like I ran into in public and said they fucked with an episode and um, like they fuck with the show and everything, I appreciate it. But I would genuinely appreciate it a lot more if these same people showed that same level of support online in retweeting and in sharing when I push the show as hard as I'm going to be pushing it. Just so it can grow and be bigger and better and more people could feel the same way that you guys do. I would appreciate it please and thank you and uh on to the shit that caused the return a little quicker than expected i would say because i was always going to come back that was always the plan um in moving it just i had to handle some other shit this had to go on the back burner i had to focus on maintaining and staying alive like a player is supposed to and um I wanted to come back and make like a visual splash so you guys could just see the show, the backdrop, just everything, you feel me? But I've been gone for so long, so much shit's been happening, and I've, I've had all my opinions and they've just been in here. I ain't had nobody to, I mean my girl, but like, that ain't that cool, you know what I mean? So I've just been talking and it's time to get back to it. Excuse me. And nigga, what really sparked it was they caught my dude, El Chapo. And if you're not familiar with the show at all, El Chapo's real name is Redone Fade. Uh, he's a French bank robber who was doing 25 years to life in a French maximum security prison until he decided, nigga, it's time to bounce. So two of his accomplices, I'm, I don't even know they're listed him as accomplices. One of them is his fucking brother. So his brother and one of his homies stole a helicopter, landed in the prison courtyard. This story is still somewhat sketchy because I don't understand how a helicopter just lands in the prison courtyard, two people get out with M16s, and nothing happens. But that's what happened. Uh, they stole a helicopter, landed in the courtyard. Two men got out with two M16s, walked into the prison. It was during visiting hours, and he was supposed to be having a visit, so they coincided it very well. So he was already in a place out of his cell, so they just walked into that room, grabbed him, walked into the helicopter, flew to an abandoned field. There was already a car there waiting there for them. Fucking drove to another abandoned field, blew that first car up, then they were gone for the next four months. All of a sudden, like I said, I just got this random notification. Side note, this is how you know your technology is connected. Because I didn't look up Redone Fade at all on my phone. I googled him on my laptop. This was when I was working on my laptop and then recording on my phone. So I couldn't necessarily separate it and go without you guys hearing this, like uh, hearing me switch throughout the apps. So I wasn't really doing it that much. I was trying to do it on my laptop and I would be able to cut that audio out. But like I was saying, I was recording and I was searching on my or a laptop and then months later when he randomly gets caught I get the notification on my phone 
this is like in BBC and all these other publications. This is not in the New York Times or anything like that. So how did my phone know that I needed to get this information? Whatever, but I did. And it sparked the comeback and we hear. But in reading what I was reading about the case, it's crazy. There's not enough information that tells you what led to him getting caught other than the cops had a random tip. It doesn't say that it was a person or whatever. But my biggest overall discrepancy in the whole thing, and it's not even with just him, for example, it's with all notorious crime lords, and it's something I would never do if I became a notorious crime lord. Why do niggas go back to their hometown where everyone knows their face, knowing there's a reward for your capture? That makes absolutely no sense at all. Like, I understand that that may be the first place, like, you gained most of your respect, but on the contrary, that's the place you gained the first people that hated you. It might be the place where you made a lot of your money, but again, that's the place where you made most of your enemies initially. Like, on the all the positives as to why you would go back to your hometown, I feel like there's a flip side to why that would be a negative idea. So, anyways, and then like I said, it's not even just him. Pablo Escobar is another person that comes to example. And if I'm not completely mistaken, the real El Chapo, Joaquin Guzman, was not was caught not too far from where he's from too. So like, I, I just don't understand the logic in I'm gonna go back to where I'm from. Because if I became not even ha- like if I became half as big as some of these things and I broke out of prison. You would not see a young nigga in 831 at all. I'm going somewhere where there's plenty of players out here. Miami or nigga, not even not even somewhere that populated. I'm going somewhere remote. There are so many islands in this world that are still undiscovered and have not no one's like colonized, terrorized these places. So like I'm getting the fuck out. I just don't understand. But as I was saying, We'll move past that first discrepancy because, like I said, he's not even the only person that's fucked up and done that. So we can't hold him, we can't condemn him too much for doing that because he's not the only one. Now they were caught in the middle of the night. It doesn't say, it doesn't really give too much information as to whether like they just rushed in or it only says they rushed in and they caught him and two accomplices. That's really all the information it has. And it says they believe those two accomplices were the two accomplices that broke him out of the prison. Now. My main issue is, if all y'all are going to stay together, all y'all cannot sleep at the same time. And I feel like that's just common fucking sense. Especially in the first year of, like, the prison break. That just, it doesn't make sense at all. I don't see how you feel that fucking safe. Like, how do you feel so safe to where everyone is just sleep at the same time? Everyone's going to be in the same building at the same time? Let alone everyone's going to be sleep in the same building at the same time? Like, is it really this easy to become a notorious crime lord? Like, a young nigga really chose the wrong life, because these niggas are... I don't understand. And you know he got money, because like I said, he broke into a prison, or he had two of his accomplices break into a prison and break him out, and they didn't have to shoot anybody. You can't tell me they didn't have no inside help. (sighs) We can't have it all. So, they caught him. 
he's going back to prison. The two accomplices are going back to prison. And it's sad for the simple fact of, it's not sad, but it's disappointing more so than anything. Because when you have that level of escape and you you escape in that manner, you I just expect you to be on the run in just a lot a lot longer in just a much more notorious fashion there's a much more cerebral approach to to living life i would expect that's all and in in that and while i speak on a much more cerebral approach to living life the absolute most disappointing thing that i've read about i won't say absolutely most disappointing thing i've read about since i've been gone but I will definitely say top three most disappointing things I've read about since being gone that I have to address. And it's the AR Ab situation and just his whole demise and him being charged with leading a drug trafficking ring in Philly. And now, I don't... This shit, like bothered me so much and just discussing it bothered just give me a second ARAB is being charged for leading a drug trafficking ring in Philadelphia federal time big shit that nigga's going down. Feds don't even... They don't even charge... Go after you publicly... Until they already got you. They have like... I think it's a 96% conviction rate. So... Once they make the case that... You're like a... a drug trafficking leader publicly... And they like... Charge you and arrest you... They already have evidence and proof... If not wiretaps... Of you or someone close to you admitting that you got the work so it's already pretty much a wrap for him unless he snitches on somebody which i don't take him to do which is why it's so disappointing that his demise is this way because i i don't understand how it continues to happen honestly why do these men continue to go on vlad tv and talk about the drugs or the crime they've committed as they are committing these crimes. Like, is there anyone capable of telling me why they... What comes with that credit? Honestly, like, this is the most baffling thing I've ever heard of. In, in doing this, in doing the street shit that you do, you are already getting every accolade that you could possibly dream of when you start to do the street shit. Why in the fuckity fuck do you need to go do an interview and tell people how you were the biggest drug dealer in your city? I don't get it. Like, I want to yell at these niggas and just shake them. What part of the street code does that? Like, what, where in the street code handbook 
Does it say I'm gonna go tell everybody how big of a street nigga I am, or how big of a drug dealer I am, or how many niggas are under my command, or how big of my my empire is? Where in the handbook does it say I'm gonna go do shit like that? Where who ra- who raised these niggas in my TK Kirkland voice? Like who raised you niggas? That shit doesn't make sense. How is it? We could go down the list of niggas that have been tried off a Vlad TV interview, or that have not even fucking a Vlad TV. We don't even. I'm I am attacking Vlad in this instance. Don't get me wrong, but niggas that go on the internet and just brag about shit they've done. Niggas that go on the internet and show guns and all this shit. How many people have been arrested from this? Like honestly, are niggas this dumb? Seriously. You go on Vlad TV and talk about how big of a drug dealer you are, how you're buying real estate and all this shit, how you've been had money, how, you know what I mean, Berman owing you however much money he paid you for the Super Bowl ain't shit. And just things like that. Like, when people say these things, do they not think the feds are just going to take a gander into their finances or into their come up or just into their surrounding area at all if it seems credible and if you say it over and over and over again in the manner in which he was saying it he he seems like a real credible street nigga and i'm and he obviously was you feel me so i assume he's gonna stand 10 toes down and just take the take the brunt of that we're probably never gonna hear from ab again but like my nigga if you're that big of a, a crime lord and you are the man that you say you are, why don't people put enough people in between them so that it never leaks back into them? I, I That's something I, I just, I can't fathom. Do people really think that they, they're just invincible in this aspect? Like, do people really feel that there's never a paper? I just, I don't understand. There's always a paper trail. There's always a way for you to be caught when you're that close like not even when you're that fucking close when you're out there bragging about it my nigga like why would you go out and brag about it speaking of going out there and bragging about it i gotta talk i gotta touch on this bill cosby situation because this is like this is a big situation it's a very complex situation there's so many factors surrounding this that are connected but don't necessarily directly apply to it which is pretty crazy because I was reading a lot of people's outrage like a lot of the people who have an issue with Bill Cosby going to jail at this age a lot of people saying Bill Cosby is the father of America and trying to defend him and all that shit and let me tell y'all I am not one of those people I I can't defend anyone who's been uh, convicted of rape anyone who's any, I'm not defending any rapist. But let me say, the people who are attempting to defend a black man being tried in this justice system after there have been 74 white men accused of the same, if not more, heinous crimes, that angle does make sense. And like I said, while I won't defend any of these rapists, I do feel all of them need to be in prison. You 
you have to acknowledge the the disparity between the cases the way the cases are being handled between cases like Bill Cosby and cases like Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein for example and I'll just I'll give it to you so the women that are accusing Bill Cosby there's what like 67 of them I'm just throwing out a number um, these are from 30 20 30 20 10 all these years ago right so and not to discredit those at all I'm not like I said I'm not defending any rapist I'm just saying so these are from 30 years ago for example and when these women introduce these cases they're being held with the highest regard they're being deemed credible they're being respected their opinions are being respected as they should be but on the contrary when women that have uh, had instances with men like Harvey Weinstein Kevin Spacey and Matt Lauer bring these same instances up and these same sort of allegations you know like on up to trial and you know try to push it to the level that Bill Cosby is on these women get asked questions like well what did you do and what did you do to put yourself in this scenario why do you think it was okay to go up to his hotel room or they get made to feel as if they're at fault as opposed to those women are made to feel a way higher level of scrutiny than the women who are involved in the Bill Cosby case and while like I said it's not to defend Bill Cosby I feel like these things also have to be acknowledged and in that it just my only issue would be with the justice system overall because if you're gonna arrest Bill Cosby and give him three to ten years and go after him and this case is over in months or I'm, I don't, I'm not sure if it was months or let, let me so the Bill Cosby case took about a year no so the Bill Cosby case took about two years um, for them to bring up the accusations from 2006 and for the trial to be for the retrial to happen and for him to be tried and for him to be sentenced and charged and now in prison and now imprisoned that whole process took about two and a half to three years now now like I was saying my issue is with the Justice Department overall because countless women have accused Harvey Weinstein Matt Lau like these men in Hall there's been countless women that have accused these men of power and these men of influence yet and I don't want to over use that to overshadow Bill Cosby at all like I'm saying he's just as bad as them but at the same time these white men also need to be held to that same standard who have also committed this heinous crime I don't feel like it's okay that the men and women because in Kevin Spacey's case it was there are some men involved in his instance I don't want to just discredit all the men involved in his uh, his instances as well but the men and women involved with these white men should not just have their cases completely discredited and made to seem as if they're at fault for the abuse of power that these men displayed and it's crazy that that's the world that America lives in where 
I don't want to be too pro-black in this situation because it's not even necessarily pro-black. I'm just, I'm kind of pushing for equivalency here. You have to admit that there's a double standard in these, in these cases. That's the only thing that I want to be acknowledged in Bill Cosby and cases like Harvey Weinstein. They're equally as bad, but you have to acknowledge that there's a double standard based on skin color. No, and, and moving on, there is another there is another sexual offender we'd like to touch on, and it's slightly bigger than just sexual assault. I want to tell niggas to go vote, not nigg. I want everybody. Like, voting is important. I seen that the lottery was at one billion dollars, and y'all don't know how many people I seen. I know y'all got it too, and y'all might have went out and played the lottery. Y'all might have went out and just. Spent a couple bucks just for the fuck of it. But did y'all niggas go sign up to vote for the fuck of it? Because, like I said, there's another rapist I want to talk about, and it's Brett Kavanaugh. And I seen so much outrage that he was going to be appointed, appointed to the Supreme Court. And as there should be, don't get me wrong. But my biggest issue is you can stop these men way before they even get to be that stature that level of that level of power in society by going to your local election stopping these people getting the people that you feel are the right people in office it starts right here this is where they build their careers or their local elections they become your mayors your your city officials next thing you know they're your governors they're they're working in your state offices this is how they build their political careers. It starts right here. And I, I feel like so many people are underestimating that. Like, this is where it starts. You can prevent so many Brett Kavanaugh's by voting in your local election. You know these people. You grew up with these people. You're around these people all the time. That woman who initially accused him was in high school with him. And I know it, I can't say that she she should have told someone back then, but imagine if she would have shared the the types of things that were going on to more women than just her. Because when she came out and said that, there's I think I believe it says seven women that that also supported her and said that that was happening to more than just her at that at that school that she was going to. So imagine if that was common knowledge about Brett Kavanaugh just amongst society how far that motherfucker might be working at mcdonald's instead of fucking being appointed to supreme court he might he might have to be registered as a sex offender kids might have to know hey we can't go to that house he would never be in in a position of power where he could continue to abuse women as opposed to or he would never be in that position he would be in a position where he he suffered the consequences he would know better and he would be a different member of society and other men would potentially know that they can't just do that and not suffer any consequences but my biggest issue is when people have outrage when or with these kinds of situations and then don't vote or act as if their vote means nothing like, it's cool to, to go on Twitter and support these hashtags and, and support feminism and, you know, like, be a part of this movement. But 
do people actually take the action and get behind these movements? Like, people know that for a movement to be successful, there actually has to be action behind the movement, right? Like, you can't just tweet things and repost things on Instagram or Facebook and act like that's a, it. And I don't want to discredit that and make it seem like that doesn't help the movement at all. It does spread awareness. But in that sense, it's only spreading awareness. It takes action for the movement to actually be successful. And so many people just don't follow through with the action. All they do is complain. And I, that can't be what our generation becomes. I don't want to be such a political show this episode, but I really want motherfuckers to understand we can't just complain about shit that's happening to us. We have to go out and take action. We have to go out and do something about this shit, bro. I just think that shit's super important because when I was in San Francisco, there was a whole ass march through downtown San Francisco, like telling people not to vote for Kavanaugh and how, or the outrage about Kavanaugh right before he was appointed. And my thing was, like, we already know he's about to be appointed, but did y'all vote beforehand? Like I wanted to, I literally wanted to stop all those people marching in line and ask how many of y'all voted though. Like, like I wanted to know because there, I. I don't want to stay on this too long, but I, I don't know how many people, when Trump got elected, were complaining about how shitty that it was going to be, but they didn't fucking vote, nigga, like, <sighs> ugh, man, I goodness gracious, I like, people don't understand, you can't have one without the other, I just think it's that simple, and, and that's it, man, I'm off the rapist, I'm going to just keep moving on, um, let me see what else is on my docket. Ah, oh, man. Ah. You know, another thing that happened while I was gone that made me a little... It... It made me feel sad, honestly. And I don't know if too many musical deaths have made me feel like... Like I felt that one, you know, like... But... Hearing Mac Miller passed away, and in the fashion that he passed away, that was kind of, I felt that one in my heart, you feel me? Because apparently Mac Miller overdosed, and he died alone, and the reason I don't like that that narrative was pushed and publicized that way is because he helped so many people in their career, and he helped so many people get on, he brought so many people with him on tour, and when people talk about him and his life it, it's so it's so much of a celebration it, it all they talk about is the happiness that he brought and for him to die alone in that fashion it fucking sucks or it, it's just depressing you feel me and not even just that in the the little snippets in the news before like he passed away if you go to if in hindsight looking at it the breakup with Ariana Grande, for example, her like just jumping into the relationship with Pete Davidson and then them getting engaged. And as soon as they got engaged, there were so many people that then directed that energy right towards Mac Miller, like asking him how he felt about this and like all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Just kind of like attacking him on social media. And then apparently, which I believe is some of the most fuck shit ever. And if he really did this, he's kind of an asshole. Ah. Uh, I mean, unless it was warranted, but now that he's passed it, and it came out now, it just seems like regardless of what he did, it, it wasn't warranted. But 
it was reported that Pete Davidson sent a video of him and Ariana Grande having sex to fucking Mac Miller. And like I said, there's two sides to every story. So like Mac Miller could have done something that made that warranted. But like I said, now that he's passed, it just seems like it's a lose-lose for him. You know what I mean? And then after he passed, it you knew it was only a matter of time before their relationship was over him and Ariana Grande because from an outside looking in just an objective perspective it seems somewhat rushed because I've never met someone that I would feel comfortable spending the rest of my life with after three months and I know I'm only 23 but nigga how old are they you know what I mean like the rest of your life like to commit to that with that level of finance as well because I mean I'm sure one of them planned on or I'm sure she was planning on making him sign a prenup but to even be halfway into that commitment is crazy sick not even six months like how long were they broken up before she was even with Pete Davidson committed to a whole new marriage like crazy but like I was saying there were just snippets in the in the media like people tagging him after their relationship Pete Davidson did that the DUI situation, and then once the DUI situation happened, there were so many people that somewhat distanced themselves from him in the media, like, uh, that was such a national story, you know, uh, anytime one of his old friends, like, resurfaced on a media run, that question would be asked about them, you know, hey, uh, what's up with Mac Miller, how you guys, you know, you guys cool? Have you guys talked since the DUI or something like that? And for example, when that question was asked to Wiz Khalifa, he was like, he he responded nah so quickly that it was like, damn, like, it almost seemed like something happened. You feel me? Like, he was like, nah, you know, you can't, when you can't help somebody, you gotta just leave them alone. You gotta let them do their thing or something like that. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. But it was like, fuck. Like, he made it seem like Mac Miller was just really gone off the deep end. And then, like I said, to hear him pass away in that fashion after Wiz said that, it's almost like, fuck. Where were the people who could have helped him? If it was, if he was that visibly off the deep end, where were the people that could have helped him? Uh, that, in thinking about that, that was something that just really bothered me. On like, I don't know, I, was, I wasn't feeling that. It might be because I was really feeling the album, but... I don't know. It just, uh, when I heard that, it, uh, I just really felt that one. But y'all know what album I wasn't feeling? Like, it's, it's just really not it. Like, that Quavo album. I like the first song, and there's like maybe three or four songs on there that are cool. But, bruh. Bruh. It's like, it's just not a good album. The Huncho album just is not a good album. Just point blank period. The sequencing isn't good. The it's there's too many songs. The melodies are repetitive. The the album just starts to sound redundant like it just sounds to sound like a mashup. I just I don't understand what he was trying to do honestly I don't even I hate to use the c-word but 
it's just not a cohesive body of work it just sounds like one at one long ass song low-key like it's not it just it's not it what i did think was pretty interesting was quavo basically called out little peep saying uh I don't know the exact line, but he mentioned overdosing on fentanyl and calling yourself a rock star. And then uh, he received a lot of backlash for that. And once he received all that backlash, he then uh, basically said how he had a barber and how he died from fentanyl. But what I don't like about that and why I think it's a cop out is simply because was your barber also calling himself a rock star? Like, was he also portraying himself to be a rock star living that kind of life? You feel me? Like, don't apologize after throwing a direct shot and don't make it seem like that's something you would never do like don't make it seem as if like that's not something you would ever do is talk about a dead man or like that's not something or like you're not directly I mean all you didn't do was say this nigga's name you disrespected the whole persona and everything he stood for and how he passed so I, I feel like it would have just it's not like you would have gained more respect or hate or anything it's just like you did it you could either say the song is old and you made it before he passed or you could just like not say nothing but like to apologize and make it seem as if it's not something you would do is just like that's just weird that's i just thought that that was a little weird to me and it just i don't know i just thought it was a little weird you do have to compliment him though for apologizing and being res a respectful young man but Someone you have to condemn and just shake your fucking head at is Vic Mensa. And just let me talk to Ralph real quick. Give me a second. <sighs> like I said. You just gotta shake your fucking head at some people, and Vic Mensa is one of those people because when the outrage initially started and everyone was upset when they first heard about it, but they didn't actually hear the freestyle or like hear the contents of the freestyle, they just heard what he said in the freestyle or what heard of what he said in the freestyle, not actually what he said. Sorry to misspeak. I wasn't one of those people who I couldn't jump on the bandwagon right away. I needed to know what he said. I I thought it was weak and I thought it was trash and I thought it was tasteless just beforehand but after hearing exactly what he had to say nigga it's just like why like you don't get to judge the reaction after the action so if someone was to if someone just smokes Vic Mensa after this then what Maybe like you don't get he doesn't get to deem that as an extreme and then to cap it off, he goes right after, or right after all the outrage, like I said before, everyone knew the context of the video, or the, the freestyle, he goes on Instagram and he's like, so I hear niggas is upset, who wanna fight, and, so, oh, before that, he puts out this weak ass apology, and, he didn't apologize for what he said. He apologized that he said it while the mother was in the crowd. Now, 
I don't understand what the fuck you apologize for because his mom was going to hear it anyway and she was going to feel how she felt whenever she heard it, regardless if she heard it in front of you or if she heard it at her home, in, in the privacy of her home. So what the fuck does the apology mean at the end of the day? And then if you do go apologize, how the fuck can you go say a day later, I heard niggas is upset, who wants to fight? Because if you do apologize, then you have to show some sincerity and some... You have to show some, some you have to show some sincerity in your apology. And you just have to back up. You can't stand on like you can't stand firm on that. That just doesn't it doesn't fucking make sense. Then the outrage continues, the outrage grows, like and people like start to post videos, people start to get asked about it in interviews, it starts to become like a real story. And then this motherfucker drops a song called Empathy and basically apologized for what he did. Telling people or asking people to show empathy, saying that he's not perfect and shit. And what I don't understand is if you listen to the podcast at all, if you listen to the show at all, you know I wasn't the biggest X fan. I thought this nigga was talented. I fucked with that last album. Vic Mensa also has faced some of the same allegations or not even allegations Vic Mensa has also been in some of the same scenarios that Triple X was being accused of and Vic Mensa publicly stated it himself he told the world about him choking his own girlfriend his old girlfriend and apologizing and he broke that story he talked about his domestic abuse and all those things Triple X was being accused of it. It was alleged. And while many people believed because there was a lot of supporting evidence, there was also a lot of supporting evidence to say that everything that that woman said that was accusing him was a fucking lie. So until he was tried, you couldn't say he was one thing or the other. You had to just, you had to wait it out and see. So I. I was stuck on the fence with it, so I I liked the music, I fucked with the music, I supported it. But like I said, you couldn't necessarily, you know, it was it was a sticky line to draw, or it was a sticky line to cross, and not in his specific instance, because like I said, there are so many, there was a lot of evidence supporting her just being an outright fucking liar, and there was a lot of evidence supporting that, you know, he might have beat the shit out of her. So I don't know. But, like I was saying with Vic Mensa, he releases this song called Empathy. It's baffling that you can release a song like that when that's all people were requesting you to show instead of disrespecting a dead man. And I don't feel like that's even asking a lot of a person who's been in a similar scenario. Because if you've been in that, and as a famous person as well, like... It's baffling on so many levels, and to claim that he didn't do it for clout is like, I don't even know. Like, I honestly don't understand what these niggas are doing now. Like, I I didn't understand it before, but no, I just don't understand. Like, I took it, I had to pause real quick, because like, there's this aid in, this aids in your clicks and in your, your traffic online for a week or two right but like how does this affect you big picture wise you know what i mean like how does this affect your 
now this is attached to you as opposed to something positive being attached to you that you could have done in the in the freestyle because if you felt that you wanted to attack domestic abuse and attach or attack what you said in your instagram post about people idolizing abusers you could attack that without directly attaching a dead man's name to it because there are so many people in the industry who have that attached to their name as well going back to fucking dr dre and even further back than that so don't pick and choose which person you're going to attack fucking go down the book and attack people if that's what you're going to do and if that's what you're going to stand on that's how i feel about that situation you feel me on to on to another chicago nigga man a chicago legend my guy and I know that's not a lot of people's guy anymore, but I fuck with Kanye, man. And Kanye is always going to be my guy, particularly because, or not particularly, for the simple fact that he's helped me through some of the most traumatic points of my life. Um, And I don't expect everyone to understand that or respect that, but um, I don't have too many people in my life, you feel me? So like... I turn to music or weed to get through my shit, and there was a point in time when, yeah, Kanye was all I was really fucking with, like, for example, my nigga Kanye was there for my first heartbreak, I wasn't really on weed back then, but my nigga Ye was there for it, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was on repeat for, I don't know how many months, my nigga, but then, fast forward to probably to this date the most traumatic event was when my grandpa passed and I was listening to college dropout graduation like those were 808 hard like 808 heartbreak dark twisted fantasy like those were core projects on repeat just constantly to get me through the day so like the fact that Ye is wiling the fuck out right now, and while I can say I don't agree with majority of the shit my man's is out there doing, and I can't really support all that shit, I can't ever say Ye is canceled, and I won't ever be like super disrespectful or bash that nigga too much. You feel me? Just because, like I said, he's gotten me through so many points in my life <clears throat> that. Yeah, I just can't. I, res- I I still have that level of respect for him just for that. Just for that. And honestly, I didn't know if anybody else really felt that way until um, I seen Russ do an interview on The Breakfast Club. And he said basically what I just said verbatim. And I was like, damn. Like, like that was really just like a damn moment for me because that's exactly how I feel. And I like, that's the most relatable thing a celebrity has ever said. That I was just like, damn, nigga, like that's exactly the way I feel about something. Just to pivot a little bit, I wanted to talk about the shop too. If you haven't seen it, and if you're gonna watch it, I'd say fast forward about 14 minutes in, because that's the part where Drake comes, and that's the part that everyone talked about. That's the important part, and it's such a biased, it's such a biased show. Um, they control the narrative so heavily for uh, Drake's side and before you watch that I would highly suggest you watch 
the interview on The Breakfast Club with, um, I believe it was Mike Epps, and he was talking about his beef with Kevin Hart. And honestly, you can re- when you watch it beforehand, you, you might not really be able to see how you can draw a parallel between the two, like the two beefs, I guess you would call it. But after watching it, you can definitely see it because in the beef, you can compare Mike Epps to Pusha T, and then you can obviously compare Drake to Kevin Hart. And in the interview, um, Mike Epps talks about how a bigger superstar is going to control the narrative publicly, while behind the scenes, they're going to be doing all kinds of things uh, privately to basically poke at the bear. You know what I mean? They're going to do things to affect your pockets. You know, talk to gatekeepers and other things that are going to keep you from getting where you need to go. But publicly, they're going to make it seem as if they're just defending themselves after you come out and attack you know what I mean and in that situation or in that interview Mike Epps like really expands on that and if you kind of break down the Pusha T and Drake beef and really you know dissect it that's kind of how the whole thing went and in that and in watching the shop you really see how Drake tries to control the narrative and make it seem as if he was just defending himself because he doesn't even bring up his diss track he doesn't bring up him mentioning Pusha T's fiance's name, and I'm tired of niggas making it seem as if that's not a that means nothing. Like if niggas talk about a nigga's girl, that means something. Like niggas can't act like that's just a whatever kind of thing in 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 this world. Like that is how majority of the wars in the world's history have been started. Literally, the world's history has been or the world the wars in the world his most of the wars in the world's history have been traced back to a woman so for so for niggas to act like drake saying pusha t's fiance's name in that song means nothing is blasphemous like just pure blasphemy so as i was saying he basically doesn't even mention that or any of the lines he said or any of anything that he has to or on his side attacking Pusha T or Kanye that has to do with the beef at all he basically just makes it seem how makes the narrative seem as if Kanye completely misled him Kanye told Pusha T about uh Drake's baby the feud he's having with his baby mama all this stuff right that's the narrative that he was pushing that's a narrative that he was wanting everyone to believe and what was like Ooh, what was super crazy about that was when Pusha T replied. And goddammit, I gotta pack another bowl and just talking about this. Because the kicker in which Drake said he was ready to go to war over was the line when Pusha T... And see, this is what I mean about controlling the narrative. He said Pusha T wished death upon 40. And if you hear the diss song, you can go back and play it. He never wished death upon him. And that's a prime example for a person who's never heard the diss record. They'd be like, damn. You know what I mean? Like, they, they would think Pusha T was, he stepped over the line, that he went too far. And they would think that Drake was right, and he was and he was right in being ready to take it further than just music. And do people, I don't know if Drake understands the persona that he's put out into society, but niggas don't believe you. Like... 
you have all the money in the world and you did Degrassi, bro. Like, you're not out here like that. I mean, I'm sure you you are connected with some niggas who are out here, i.e. J Prince, but like, you can't make the threats publicly because once something happens, it's tied back to you. Like, like the very beginning of the show, I touched on this already. I just, I don't understand. You can't do shit publicly. If you're gonna do it, it has to be done behind the scenes and it has to just be that and that alone. We can't discuss it, we can't talk about it, we just have to get the gratification from the action. And that's just what it is. But he didn't do that. He goes on there, he publicly talks about it, publicly says how he, he wanted something to happen, but it got diffused. And then, like I said, he, he was ready to go to war over that line that never really was said. And then Pusha T replies. And this was the real kicker in, in the whole beef. This was, This is what really made the beef. And it was on one of the podcasts that I really uh, fuck with, and, and one of the podcasts that really inspired me to do my own show and, and keep my shit going strong, the Joe Budden podcast. And uh, Pusha T replied and said that the information came from 40 and from a woman that 40 is involved with romantically. And now, like, just... Like I said, most of the world wars have been traced back to a woman. And for this to be traced back to that, how does Drake even respond? Or how does Drake even react to a situation? Like, I haven't heard, the situation hasn't been addressed on Drake's side at all since then. Since the Pusha T thing that I've researched, I haven't heard anything from the OVO camp on addressing this at all not even like to tweet it's not true no, I haven't seen no one say that that's not what happened at all and Pusha T said it so convincingly that it's hard not to believe that that's what really happened man and if that is what happened like if you are Drake how do you reply how do you go about that you know what I mean because if you were really ready to go to war over that and now it's it's that instead of what you thought it was if you were that wrong about it I wouldn't even know how to respond I like you can't publicly go about it you you can't publicly because if you think about it as well they can't even he can't even publicly feud with 40 about this he can't publicly be upset with 40 40 is a critical member of OVO he's a critical part of the foundation Think about how that'll look. Not even just on their side, because then that'll admit that Pusha T was right as well, so then that'll take that shit to a whole... It's, that'll just blow it up. That, that would blow shit up. And not that that would end Drake's career or anything, but that would blow shit up. So he has to act as if he still has the persona that... Or not the persona, he just has to act as if he's still playing the victim, or is that... Or as if there's still another card he could have played. And I understand that, being as though he's a superstar, he has to still act that way. But, I don't know. I just don't know. And um, right now, that's all I got for this week. Uh, I'm definitely going to be coming back every week strong, tuning in. The visuals will be here soon. I know I said that before going on my hiatus, but now I'm definitely meaning it. 
because uh, I will be purchasing some equipment within the next few weeks, so we'll definitely be putting out a visual episode soon. Um, yeah, man, stay tuned. Uh, appreciate everybody who tunes into this episode. If you're fucking with this episode at all, shoot me with a retweet and a share on whatever I need it. I would appreciate it. Um, we're trying to take this to the next level, trying to take this to bigger and better things. So, uh, yeah, man, thank you for tuning in. See y'all niggas next week. Peace out.
Let it play, boy.